I'm Lauren Walsh, CEO and resident girl boss at one of the leading boutique branding and marketing agencies that empowers thought leaders and change makers to live out their why and achieve their wildest dreams. Over the years, I've personally found freedom in figuring out how to combine my passion, purpose, and skill to make an impact and leave a legacy. Follow along as I share the ins and outs of my life that has been a testament to a multitude of work, overcoming a heck of a lot of adversity, and the perfect addition of God's grace. I hope you find truth, wisdom, and advice that empowers you to make the necessary changes in your life and start taking action on those dreams. Hey friend, welcome back. Now, before I jump into today's episode, I have a little bit of a disclaimer. Today's episode covers the topic of mental health. Please know that I am not a medical professional or therapist, and I am not providing any sort of medical advice. Please always consult with your doctor or therapist as needed. Also, there are some points in this episode that may be triggering. If you feel yourself triggered at any point, I encourage you to stop the episode, put down the device, take a deep breath, and do the necessary work. Now with that, we can go ahead and jump in. Hello, hello, my friend. It has been quite some time since we've connected here, and I am so happy to be back. I am feeling more renewed and enlightened than ever because I am actually returning from my six-month secret sabbatical. Yep, that's right. I said secret sabbatical. I remember hearing about sabbaticals in college, professors taking an extended amount of time away from teaching. It always sounded more like a vacation than anything, if you ask me. But outside of that, I never knew much about it. Then a few months ago, my pastor announced that he was going on sabbatical. After seven straight years of preaching without much of a break, he was planning to take three months off to spend time with God, his family, and himself. A chance to actually disconnect to reconnect. I still remember part of his opening statement that Sunday. He said, a sabbatical is not vacation. Clearly, he quickly dispelled everything that I knew about it. He said, it's a very strategic time. It's soul work. It's a time to get back to the person that God created. A chance to step away from the noise. A chance to fill up your cup. As he spoke these words, my eyes filled up with tears. And the term secret sabbatical came to life. I just knew it was a gift from God in that moment as it popped in my head. And I immediately added it to my notes. Every single thing that my pastor was mentioning in regards to his upcoming sabbatical, I'd been doing for months actually, and I still had the intention of continuing on for at least a few more months. The only difference between my situation and what the pastor was describing was the fact that I chose to embark on my sabbatical in secret. At the time that I made the decision, I didn't exactly know why, but something told me that my journey wasn't meant to be shared quite yet. Something deep down in my heart told me that I was being used by God in an effort to heal, grow, and learn so that I could then teach. And so I obeyed every single day for six months until it was clear that the time had come for me to share it. Now I'll be totally honest, the point that I knew that I was supposed to share came weeks ago. But as with all major points in my life, when I am asked to step outside of my comfort zone, 
I resisted. It resulted in multiple sleepless nights battling God. And I finally got over my fear and went in. So here we are. Now, in order to understand the importance of this sabbatical, let me take you back. It was January 9th, 2021. I sat down at my kitchen counter. I opened up my laptop and threw the uncontrollable tears streaming down my face, the headache, and the sense of defeat. I began to type into the search bar. P. O. S. T. P. A. R. T. U. M. I took a pause. D. E. P. R. E. S. S. I. O. N. Pages upon pages of search results came up, and I started down the rabbit hole. I read for hours, sending quotes and articles to my husband, who I couldn't even bear to share the news with. So I cryptically sent him as many articles as I could manage, hoping that somehow, some way, he would read through them, start to figure out what I was getting at, and be able to help me. All I wanted was help. I felt defeated. I didn't feel like I could help myself. So I was hoping that he could do it. All I wanted was help. All I wanted was to feel normal again. I wanted to smile when my baby smiled. I wanted to get out of bed in the morning. I just wanted to be me again. Up until this moment, it had been a very frustrating and emotional journey. Mainly because I refuse to believe it. Any new moms know that every single doctor's appointment that you and your baby go to for the first few months, which is a lot, includes a quiz about postpartum depression symptoms. It's taken very seriously. I remember being at an appointment when my son was just days old. I was holding him, so I asked my husband to take the survey, read me the questions, and I would tell him what to answer. The nurse walked in and snatched the clipboard straight out of his hands. She said only I was allowed to answer the questions. I didn't even think twice as I answered. Of course I'm fine, I told myself. Even looking at my husband. I'm not experiencing any of this, right? I'm the expert at being fine. I meditate. I go to therapy. I'm obsessed with personal development. I've been preparing myself for this very moment that I am in now for months. I run a successful business. I mentor young women in sports. Of course I'm okay. I had actually battled intense postpartum anxiety after our daughter was born three years prior. And eventually, that anxiety took its physical toll on my body. My levels were off, and I couldn't keep weight on. But because of that experience, I learned my lesson. I had mentally, physically, and emotionally prepared myself for going through it this time around. I had all of my self-care practices in place. I put my business in an amazing position, and I jumped in. I only took 24 hours off of work when our son was born. And although you may think 
that I'm going to start to say that if I could do it all over again, I would change it. But the truth is I wouldn't. I would do the same thing all over again because I believe that my work, especially during these dark, very, very dark times, was my anchor. Scheduling at least one call or Zoom per day meant that I had to get out of bed. I had to at least brush my teeth and my hair. And I got to be someone that I recognized. Lauren, the CEO of LW Branding, was someone that I knew. It was familiar to me and quite frankly, gave me hope that that woman would someday return in true form. Because let me tell you, every time I looked in the mirror, I had no idea who was staring back. It was like a blank soul. Sometimes with no emotion, and sometimes with so much emotion, I couldn't even make sense of it. It all started on day two. We were still in the hospital waiting to be discharged. I could feel the anxiety coming on. I felt like a caged animal in that hospital room. I was pacing. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't relax. I just needed to get out of there. That night when we got home, my husband and I got into a huge fight. I remember sitting on the toilet with tears streaming down my face. I felt so much emotion all at once. That combined with the lack of sleep, the crying baby, the toddler who couldn't understand how the baby in my belly was now in our house, the dishes, the laundry, the physical pain. The thought of how hard this was actually going to be now that it was our reality. But I pushed those thoughts out of my mind and I kept going. It'll be okay. I'll be fine. I've got this. Little did I know that was just the beginning. It slowly progressed into constant anxiety, crying every single day. And then the depression came on hard. Of course, it hit right at the time that my husband was starting his new job and had to travel. And then he caught COVID and was forced to quarantine in the back part of our house that we could close off, which meant that the little help that we did have for our kids at the time couldn't come over. I was completely alone with a toddler and a six-week-old for days on end. This was breaking point number one and the beginning of me entering into survival mode. Shortly thereafter, the intrusive thoughts started. In case you're not familiar, these are unwanted thoughts that pop in your head at any time. It's very hard to admit, but my intrusive thoughts involve terrible violence. Ideas of harming myself and my kids. Then the thoughts worsened, and it felt like the voices inside my head were trying to convince me that it would just be easier if I went away. This was hard. Even just typing out my notes for this part of the story makes my entire body cringe and my eyes well up with tears. My saving grace in these moments were God, my kids, and all of the work that I had done up until this point. Thank God for the work. I would go to battle with the voices in my head, literally talking back and telling it no. Sometimes I would journal how I was feeling just to get it out of my head. I increased my meditation in an effort to strengthen my ability to be present, to allow the thoughts to come in, recognize them, and then let them move on. 
Because as we all know, the more you fight them, the bigger they get. Then somewhere in those moments, I would hear the baby cry. Or my daughter would call my name. And it was like God was sending me a life raft, giving me a subtle reminder that they needed me. As much physical pain and anxiety that I actually felt every single time that the baby cried. That was another anchor. It was a reminder that cry meant that he needed something. He needed me. As I think back on a lot of this, most of it is a blur. I really don't remember much from those first few months. I look back at photos and struggle to place myself in those moments. It's made me that much more grateful to cherish the moments that we have now. Speaking of moments, let's bring it back to January 9th, when I finally mustered up the courage to type the words postpartum depression into my search bar. I'll never forget one particular article. It was a husband sharing his wife's battle with postpartum depression. After reaching her own breaking point, she begged the hospital to admit her to the psych ward. She said she couldn't do it any longer. She knew that this was what she needed. The hospital refused. They said that she didn't look like someone who needed to be admitted. They told her to go home, try therapy, keep going on with your life. Just days later, that woman took her life. There were tons of other articles like these. Husbands begging the system, the doctors, the partners, just to take postpartum depression seriously. They begged. Their stories reminded me that I had to keep going. According to Massachusetts General Center for Women's Health, suicide is actually the leading cause of death in perinatal women. This was a statistic that I did not and still do not take lightly. And so the journey began. I began researching the underlying causes for postpartum depression. I read countless medical journals about hormones, sleep, and the brain. I researched every single food and supplement that could help. I began to journal my emotions. They seemed to make just a little more sense when I could see them on paper instead of just feeling them from my head to my toes. I took a day by day and moment by moment for a few months until I decided that it just wasn't progressing the way I expected. That's when I made the appointment with my doctor with the surefire intention of walking out with a script for some sort of medication to help ease these emotional pains and downright scary thoughts. After a quiz and a discussion, my wish was granted. It felt like such a relief. Finally, I felt like someone understood me, and I felt like there might be an end in sight. However, after picking up the prescription, I read the pamphlet that came with it, cover to cover. I spent the next night journaling and in conversation with God. It just didn't feel like the timing was right. I felt like there were a few more things that I needed to try on my own before I went down this path. Honestly, and I know this might be hard for some, all I could think about was that what if what this medication is doing is just masking a deeper issue? I wondered that if I took it, 
and it did help for a few months, maybe even a few years, and then I tried to go back off of it, would I fall back into where I had been? I honestly felt like I had been to actual hell and back and wasn't willing to take that risk. I wanted to make sure that I dealt with every single root cause of my issues before I decided to go down that path. Plus, I had the prescription, so it felt like my safety net being tucked away in my drawer. I decided to commit to a deeper journey, something that I knew was going to be harder way before it got easier. I enlisted the hope of my secret sabbatical team, which included my doctor, my therapist, my business coach, Oprah, Pastor Stephen Furtick, and of course, God. I would like to pause for a minute right here and mention that I understand that the route that I took at this point is not an option for everyone. In fact, I have personal friends and fellow mamas who've had amazing success with antidepressants, both short-term and long-term. But it's important to know that my goal here is not to offer the popular opinion or share those women's journey. I am here to get, not here to give you advice. I am only here to follow what God has put on my heart and to share my own path. Now what happened those next six months is what has become my secret sabbatical. Let me tell you, there's not enough time to give you every single detail, so I will make this into a series. And because it's changed my life in ways that I never knew possible, I will also share the entire program and process with you soon. But to give you a little bit of an idea, I did exactly what a sabbatical is meaning taking a step back from the day-to-day to to go on a deep soul search to find meaning, purpose, and of course, healing. The number one thing that I did was sleep. After intense research, I found out how much of an effect sleep has on our bodies and our hormones. And for those who aren't familiar, hormones play a huge role in postpartum depression and the postpartum journey as a whole. Sleep actually regulates the level of cortisol, which is a steroid hormone produced by the adrenal glands. It's also known as the stress hormone. Cortisol helps regulate other hormones in the body. I became so intrigued by this knowledge and research and, of course, put it into practice right away. Now, up until this point, our son had been sleeping in our room in his bassinet. But because I had committed to this journey and making my health my number one priority, not just for me, but for my family as well, we moved our son upstairs and decided to sleep train. My husband was fully on board, so we bought all the sleep sacks and went to it. Within four days, he was sleeping seven to eight hours at a time, and then eventually 11 to 12 hours every single night. This was crucial because it meant that I could get consistent REM sleep, which is the phase of sleep that restores your brain and is good for memory and learning. I also found out how good it is for postpartum depression and anxiety. Once I conquered sleep, I added a morning ritual. I made a point to get up at least five minutes before the kids so that I could enjoy a cup of warm water with lemon and apple cider vinegar in peace. Even just these five minutes felt like such a treat. It was a time to give thanks to God, list off a few things that I was grateful for, and just breathe. 
before the rush of the day came in. And this is how it went. I would slowly start to add in new habits and rituals as I conquered each one. I know myself and knew that trying to instill tons of new things at once would feel overwhelming and probably never work. Then I built out my toolbox, which is my number one thing that I love to share with anyone who is trying to make changes in their life, deal with something hard or attempting to level up their overall being. Your toolbox is all of the things that you do on a regular basis, whether you're in a good or bad place. It's particularly important on the days, the good days, to continue to keep your cup filled up so that if something pops up, because you know it will, you can handle it more with ease. The toolbox also serves as the emergency life preserver in the midst of straight chaos. Some examples of mine include morning water, electrolytes, meditation on the Calm app and Insight Timer, spa music channel on my Amazon Alexa, prayer, deep conversation with God, daily movement for my body, which sometimes meant a full-on Pilates class and others just to walk around the block, herbal tea, taking baths with Epsom salt, essential oils, reading tons and tons of books, sermons, soul sessions with Oprah, listening to her Super Soul Conversations podcast, therapy sessions, painting, Palo Santo, gratitude lists, and most importantly, time. Time to be fully present. That meant, and still means, time away from my phone and computer. Time in silence. And last but not least, my toolbox includes acceptance and permission. I accepted that I was not okay and became okay with that. I also gave myself permission on a daily basis to make myself the number one priority. I think we underestimate the power of acceptance and permission, especially in a society that tells us that our worth lies in our ability to perform what we look like or how much money we have in our bank account. It's why it's so hard to make the decision to go down a deep spiritual journey with ourselves. Because how dare we choose ourselves over our work or our friends? But the reality is we can't be our best selves to our work or our friends if all we do is give and we never fill back up. Although this is ending on a light note now, I can't help but mention how freaking hard this journey has been. It's hard to choose a book and an early bedtime over Netflix or a glass of wine midweek. It's hard choosing to say no to friends or family to ensure that I have a weekend to relax, unwind, and meditate. It's hard to force myself to events when the social anxiety is just sometimes so, so hard to battle. It's hard to turn down business that would absolutely add to my bottom line, but not my overall value and mission. It's hard. It's all hard, but it's worth it. And the ultimate best part of my secret sabbatical is that I've successfully figured out how to live a life that lets me rise to the top in business, relationships, and joy, but still make the decision every single day to choose myself first. My secret sabbatical opened my eyes to a life that is brighter, both literally and figuratively. I swear colors look brighter to me. I notice more little things like a butterfly or a flower. 
I can find joy in the least of places. And most importantly, I can bring myself back to center at a moment's notice. Because although I've done intense work, the depression and anxiety are still there. I've just learned how to see it, address it, live with it, and embrace it. One of the most beautiful gifts I've been able to give myself is embracing all that I am and all that I was created to be. Not trying to course correct or fix, but embrace, embody, and sometimes enhance. We all have a choice. So what will yours be? Will you join me on this journey? Will you consider taking your own secret sabbatical? If at any point in this episode you were touched or moved, all that I ask is that you share it with one person. Send it via text or DM. And if you feel compelled to reach out to me directly, I only have one request. Please don't apologize. I don't want pity for the darkness that I've walked through, but I will always accept your love and light. I remember the first few times I shared this story with friends and the response was, I'm so sorry that you went through this. I kindly said, please don't be because I'm not. This has been the most transformative experience of my life. And the person that you see here today is standing before you because I decided to go through it. Take a moment today to consider your own journey and how you could find a little more joy and light in all of it. Until next time, sending you love and light.